All right, welcome to the Footy Museum and the Footy Museum podcast. It is another week in the world of football, both types of football, the real kind and the hand-based, blimp-throwing kind. That's right, it's Super Bowl Sunday, but we are here to talk to you about the week in the other football's news, With the real football special news. special guest Taylor Swift. Oh, maybe. Will she? Won't she? Will we'll she? Find Will out. she? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, Maria, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. good. I'm, I'm coming at you uh, on location. Remote, on location from... You are, I'm, if I'm not sure, that is the press room beneath the, the uh, Las Vegas Stadium where they're going to play the Super Bowl because yeah. you are the official press press person for the footy museum and uh, they put the you official, in this room official football american football correspondent once they went to our the website they put you in this basement mm. room. <laughs> that looks a lot like my apartment oh but you um, know who is i feel so- at home oh that's good <laughs> they re- they recreate it perfectly yeah you know who is excited for the super bowl who la liga of course <laughs> <laughs> so uh Apparently, La Liga will be hosting the first, uh, maybe, possibly, we'd have to search, but they are hosting an NFL game in Spain. And they are, uh, in anticipation, really pushing hard to show their connections with the National Football League. So much so that they created an NFL-style uniform uh, for Real Betis that you can see here. I don't know, you can't see it that well, but the helmet is pretty amazing. And it just goes to show that even if soccer was football, they'd still American do it better. Football, it'd still be better. <laughs> Which I think is also evidenced by these graphics La Liga put out to highlight their connection to all the stadiums that will host World Cup games in 2026 in the Americas. So Lincoln Financial Field was included, Hard Rock Stadium, AT&T Stadium. Oh, Hard Rock Stadium. They didn't I take... think it's more American than Hard Rock anything. I think AT&T for... Stadium's pretty American. <laughs> Or Lincoln Financial. I mean, that's pretty good. Um, They didn't take time to airbrush the uh, football line, the uh, NFL lines out of the fields, but I love them really pushing this connection. And of course that, yeah. We'll see if FIFA even takes the time to brush those NFL lines off the field. No, they may not. You know, my favorite (laughs) FIFA story is in 2015 at the Women's World Cup in Montreal. Only we were at the Olympic Stadium huge stadium, uh, Germany versus France. And only half of the um, concession stands were open and they had hastily produced foam board menus taped over the top of the existing ones. Almost no merch. Like the merch options were like a FIFA Women's World Cup soccer ball or um, like, I don't know, a cup. (laughs) It was a a commemorative (laughs) And it was such an amazing game. But that's not a surprise. Uh, but FIFA is also, you know, they were announcing, obviously announcing this week, which we already knew which cities were going to be included, but they announced the schedule. So which mm-hmm. games would be played at which stadium? The opening match, of course, in uh, uh, Azteca, Estadio Azteca in Mexico City, which will be phenomenal. Um, it will be difficult because it'll be warm, smoggy, mm-hmm. high altitude. So um, that's going to be a tough match. And then, of course, the final will be played 
in New York, New Jersey. <laughs> and I love how they keep pushing like the final in New York, New Jersey. Well, it's it's physically in New Jersey. I don't understand the confusion. You have to drive through New Jersey to get to the stadium that is in New Jersey. And um, so that will be interesting. I, uh, I'm enjoying all this like uh, uh, social media content where people are like, uh, foreigners coming in to in, like finding their Airbnb in New Jersey, and it's just like Jersey, oh. you know. <laughs> well, you know who was up for Jersey was Johnny Infantino of FIFA. He dressed fully the part with mm. their special announcement program, which was a, was just a beautiful uh, choreographed display of awkwardness, co-hosted, <laughs> of course, by Kevin Hart, world-known football well, aficionado. Football Is he a fan? I don't know. I wonder if um, Infantino chose him just because he's short and he's short and he wanted oh. to look taller. Because if you're, if you're, um, if you That's look why you like, picked me for this podcast too. <laughs> well, we're sitting down. <laughs> and there was also the announcement of venues by Kim Kardashian and her son. Oh, it was just a mess. And it gives us so much to look forward to. Um, unfortunately, Chicago, not a venue, obviously, again, really frustrating. I think a lot of people wonder why that is um mm-hmm. they initially they were going to be considered and when Rahm Emanuel was the mayor um he was seeking to kind of calm his reputation down in the city he had gone through a lot of scandals uh with a kind of police actions which were very unpopular so he decided to withdraw their application now there's other more kind of uh conspiratorial ideas because I don't know if you remember this, but the uh, the United States investigated FIFA, which led to a number of arrests and um, trials, and even I think fines and possibly imprisonments for corruption in FIFA, and that was done under President Barack Obama, a proud, oh. famous Chicagoan. So when you see the big area of exclusion radiating from Chicago in this World Cup. I, I mean, wonder if that's part of it. I have no I evidence believe, to say. I feel but like that's the kind of petty thing that FIFA would do. It seems very, very FIFA-like. I'm I mean, on the I'm I mean, on they're in New Jersey, they're dressing like they're on the Sopranos. I mean, it's just totally in line. <laughs> oh, but that did make me think this week about other kind of American NFL-style football with global football and how long they've really overlapped. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about this a little bit more later this week when we can uh, or later next week yeah when we do our next section on chicago soccer history but um, one thing is how important soldier field has actually played a role in soccer history in this country on the bottom left of this picture first of all on the top you see pullman uh, with the p 1918 with the single p which very well could be in soldier field i'm not sure and then below them to the left is the Chicago Bricklayers and Masons Football Club, who were quite good, correct? Yeah, they were, they were very good. They actually appeared in the Challenge Cup final, now known as the U.S. Open Cup, uh, twice in 1928 and 1931. And in 28, that uh, match was played at Soldier Field, as a lot of matches have been throughout the history. Obviously, Soldier Field, the home of the Chicago Fire, and a host site um, for the 94 World Cup. 1994, that is when I uh, 
was um, already fully working in the world and, and you were just a twinkle in your parents' eyes. No, I was two. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so what are, do you have a lot of 94 <laughs> World Cup memories? <laughs> All right. <laughs> and speaking of Soldier Field and NFL Resident of Soldier Field, the Chicago Bears. This is really interesting because the team you see on the top, again, this photo also from 1918, both these photos from the Spalding uh, American Footballing Guide from the 1918 season. This is, and excuse, I may pronounce this wrong, but I believe it's Kichi, C-E-C-H-I-E, FC. They were a fourth division Chicago team. Yes, I believe that there was maybe ProRail within Chicago, but they there were- was a fourth division a Chicago team. And if you look on their shirts, that is very clearly the Chicago Bears C, wouldn't yeah, you say? It is a remarkable resemblance. What's interesting is this photo was taken two years before the formation of the Chicago Bears in 1920. So I, I'm not, this is our conspiratorial <laughs> podcast. I'm telling you. Um, so yeah. I, I'm going to say that they also stole their logo. Other interesting fact. Well, yeah. I mean, the an argument against that conspiracy is that this is just a popular way to write a C back then. But I am fully on no. board for the conspiracy that the Bears stole this logo from the fourth tier team. That's <laughs> in this right. Photo. <laughs> That's right. Thank you for getting on board because what you can't see <laughs> is the back of these jerseys. It says the Bears. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And the guy on the right, number seven, that large coach, was actually known as um, Pierre the Refrigerator Perry. So that's not the only big game going on today, the Super Bowl. There's another one going on as, as we speak right now, and that is the AFCON final with host Ivory Coast, former feature of the Footy Museum, when we did a Designs of AFCON episode versus mm -hmm. Nigeria. It should be a great match. Unfortunately, like all the AFCON matches, I've only been able to watch highlights because uh, I can only take on so many streaming services. <laughs> I know. It's in, in the streaming wars, cable has won because we're all questioning <laughs> our decision to. Oh, there's so many. Stop. Now, this is after they beat DR Congo, another team that we featured in that design episode. And at the beginning of that match, did you see. Uh, read about or see footage of the DR Congo players and coach protesting? No, I didn't. So they were covering their eyes and holding their hands up to their head like a gun because they wanted to draw attention to the ongoing unrest in the east of the country. And mm. if, as we talked about the episode, that country, which is so resource rich, has always had a turbulent history of people fighting over those resources. And in the east of the country, the last 20 years, there's been various warring factions. But in the last several years, it's gotten very intense between a group called uh, M23 and the Congolese government. And there's been thousands of deaths and, and a lot of uh, really traumatic things going on in that country. And there's not a lot of global attention. So the players mm -hmm. took that moment to protest. Now, Canal Plus decide to cut out all that protest from their broadcast, which is the broadcast partner for the DR in a lot of Africa, I believe. Um, so the government and uh, DR Congo Footballing Association is very mad at that. But I just hope that, you know, everyone in that country 
um, is okay and can get through this. And it's really tough because they ended up really doing a great showing in what has been a fantastic tournament as advertised. What a story so, too with with Ivory Coast making it to the final. Oh my gosh, firing their coach when it was not even clear if they would make it to the knockout yeah. round. Really underwhelming group stage. And then now here they are in the final at home. It's really fantastic. Yeah. And we'll see. I'm not going to look what happened, but. Oh, I'm, I've got it live. We can okay. report the results live as they come through. <laughs> yeah, live as this is released a day later. <laughs> but back to global football. The other big news this past week was the apparent arrival and then subsequent departure of the blue card. It's already departed? <laughs> It's already, conversations are now already on pause after universal derision of proposed changes to football rules around the world where referees would be given a blue card to go their yellow and red, which could be used against players who were um, being aggressive towards referees, showing dissent um, or doing flagrant fouls or time-wasting. They would be given a blue card and then sent to a sin bin. <laughs> That's what they called it. Sin yes, bin. which is in the in an American hockey, you would call that a penalty box. Yeah. Or 10 minutes so that the team would have to play <laughs> down one player. Now, a lot of players and coaches said that's really horrible because then you would just have a team trying to not engage. You know, it would be like, ex, it would be like extra time in a match or overtime where it would just be, ugly football being played and it would add more confusion and more chance for mistakes. And there were all, all this pushback. So finally they said there's, they're going to take time to um, take in people's concerns and reevaluate the decision on the blue card. I um, mean, a really great way to get respect, more respect out of people who you feel like aren't respecting you as the official, a really great way to get more respect out of them is to create kind of a condescending punishment. Yes. <laughs> and something called a sin bin, yes. which I just think is just such a vile name. It is. It really sin is. Sin bin. Oh, my gosh. Oh. oh. Sponsored by Cinnabon. That would be <laughs> Cinnabon Sin bin. The Premier League Cinnabon Sin bin. Oh, man. But it's not just the cards that have gone from temporary to blue and back to their normal colors. The Chicago Fire, one of the pillars of the Footing Museum in terms of teams we follow mm -hmm. um, is returning to a red kit and that will be announced this week. And we will talk about that later this week because we're going to have um, a guest on previewing the fire. But they did kind of a fun thing on social media this week where about over a week ago, they switched their icon on all social media platforms to an all blue fire logo. And people are like, oh no, what are they doing again? Why are they messing <laughs> with it? And then solely starting last weekend, it started to slowly shift almost like a sunrise yeah. coming up. And these are the variations they've posted so far until it turns all red, which will obviously uh, coordinate with the release of the return to the red kit. I just thought it was a, a pretty pretty smart little move, um, and I wanted to give a shout-out to them. And I like the ones. I, maybe they release some of these that are blended like that. Maybe like they do. Holographic it is... logo, maybe that's going to be the uh, the thing. Yeah, do you think that this last one is just going to be the last one, or do you think they are going to really go all red? I think that the, that this profile picture will go all red, but it won't reflect. That's not what what's going to look like on the oh, kit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think this is a really creative use of a profile picture. 
Because they could have they could have just added it to their timeline, but they didn't do that. They and they did it without drawing any attention to it. They just did it and yeah. it started to slowly shift. So very cool. Speaking of the fire in all of MLS, it is preseason, and a lot of a lot of the teams are in California at Coachella, playing in a oh tournament that is spottily televised out in the desert. Um, I would assume that they're having an awesome time. Oh um, yeah. But totally. It's totally. I think that's awesome. the way preseason should go. You should go somewhere small like that. Warm, drink wine at halftime. Drink wine at halftime. <laughs> yeah. Get your lace bikini tops and your um I don't know. What is Coachella style? It's like Mad Max meets um goop, it's like goop meets Mad Max. Is goop, that what you mean? Mad Max and cultural appropriation. Yes. Oh, it's just a perfect yeah. perfect stew of Americana. <laughs> and that's where it the fire really are. Is. But not all MLS teams are living it up in the desert. Famously, Inter Miami on their Tour de Noche de Or around Suarez the world. looks like he has a little tummy ache. <laughs> their preseason has been a PR disaster oh. meant to kind of sow the seeds of the, this exciting new product in MLS, aging superstars, who again, reminder to the world, this is a team that, that finished... Um, the very bottom of a 29 team league, any other league in the world, they would have been relegated last year. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think there's this misconception that they dominated last year. No, they did well in leagues cup, but they were awful. Um, and that has really showed <laughs> on this tour where they have gone, um, and only one win. And that was at this game in Hong Kong where none of the stars played, even though fans had packed a huge stadium paying exorbitant amounts to watch. And the fans weren't happy, and they kind of aggressively turned on the team, booing, demanding their money back. In fact, the organizers of the event have given all attendees a 50% refund and the cost of tens of millions of dollars. Another highlight is when they went to Saudi Arabia for the clash against Messi versus Ronaldo's El Nasser. <laughs> El Nasser. Neither star really played. Messi played a little bit at the end, but the uh, MLS side got destroyed 6-0, much like uh, West Ham did today at the hands of Arsenal. Oh, my goodness. So they sure did. This, um, this was not great, and I can't help but smile a little bit because, I don't know, it, it's, it's frustrating because they sent a product that doesn't show the best of this league. Mm -hmm. They've done damage, and it was all kind of cynically market-based, uh, profit-based, the same year where MLS is trying to pull out of the U.S. Open Cup. So, I don't know. Yeah. Get what you deserve sometimes. So. Yeah. Why Do you didn't, have any thoughts? Why didn't they play? Because Suarez had a tummy ache. I think that they were just, there's just too many games back to back. And they're, I mean, Suarez is 36 and Messi's 37. Is that right? I mean, no, they're not. Messi's not 37, is he? I think so. So it's, I mean, these are not young bodies. They can't handle that. You know, we are, we've talked about on this pod how Suarez injects himself with the uh, souls of, of children. He does. Just to be able to play games. <laughs> they have to drink because they said they found the fountain of youth in, in Florida, didn't they? And that's why all these yeah. guys ended up here. He has to go to the Forbidden Forest in <laughs> unicorn blood just to play one match. <laughs> so anyway, but well, there are there are there are happier preseasons. Uh NWSL 
also in preseason. Um, and I was looking, and the Red Stars have a lot of exciting home games this year. They kick off the season the 23rd against the newly renamed Seattle Rain. Seattle uh, Rain with the, the Evil Queens are coming to town. Of course, the, all teams do come to town. That's what's great about the league because it's still a size where it's a proper league where all teams play each other. Yeah. Um, but then we have uh, Angel City on the 13th of April, San Diego on September 21st, Gotham champions on October 12th and the Kansas city current to end up the season on November 3rd. I am really going to try to go to these games. Is there any ones that stand out to you? I'd love to go to a Thorns game. Yeah. I think a Thorns game would be really fun. I mean, they all be fun, right? Cause like it's fun. still a league that, that you never know what each new season is going to bring. There's a lot of positivity around yeah. WSL right now. It's growing so fast. It's big stars. Um, even though that's true, someone did their best to counter the positivity surrounding the women's game in the U.S. this week. And that is Linda Horan, more widely known as Lindsay Horan, who now plays um, in France, I believe. And she had an interview on The Athletic where she decided um, to share her deepest, most nuanced thoughts. She sounds frustrated. American fans. <laughs> I think this stems from her beef with Julie Foudy, uh, a U.S. women's national player icon and now a soccer announcer, who apparently pointed out some things in a game that she was playing that she viewed as inaccurate. And then Lindsay's mother spewed back what uh, Foudy had said, and that made her mad. <laughs> and now she just she went off. This article's interesting. She kind of uh, is swearing at some point, whatever. But. Uh, she said, American soccer fans, most of them aren't smart. They don't know the game. They don't understand. I can't think of a dumber statement to make. I, <laughs> now, context is everything. I know Lindsay Horan is one of my favorite U.S. players. Um, and I don't think she's trying to insult the base. But this is the captain of the U.S. women's yeah. national team. And you're not going to – people who are trying to figure it out aren't going to feel that great. No. With this, and then people wanting to get on board. And I think she's going to have to carry this quote around. She is. Possibly for the rest of her career. It and, sounds um, to me like she's frustrated. She probably had a lot of frustration after the yeah. American audience response to the Women's World Cup. Um, well, that's another point. Yeah. If this quote was coming from the World Cup champion, U.S. women's national team, but not just by our high standards, they did not play well. They didn't and play well. you could argue they played a style that suggested a lack of understanding compared to the rest of the world. It was very based on athletic strength, speed, long balls, mm -hmm. not a nuanced style. So I think that also folds into it. It's like, well, you know, look at look at, look in the mirror about how the U.S. women played last year. Now, that yeah. a lot of that was coaching. Uh, Vlatko is just an idiot of a coach. They have an amazing coach now who will now have to come and take over the team under partially a cloud of this quote. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think to, like that's a fair, what you just said is a fair um, assessment of the situation, but she probably took it really personally, all yeah. of the truly not smart things people were saying, yeah. criticizing the team. Like that's, your your comment is like, yes, that is a informed and nuanced observation of somebody who follows soccer and understands forms and plays and and styles and a lot of people who were chiming in 
do not watch soccer because they're not even fans. They just yeah. want to see the women's team fail because of their political stances. So, um, the, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe she's not even mad at fans. Maybe she's mad at just that and taking it out on everybody. Yeah, and I, I hope that she recovers from this because, as I said, she is one of our top players. And by all accounts, this is not reflective of the type of person or player she is. But I think more broadly, it points to the fact, I think sometimes players need to realize it's actually not about them with fans. Mm. I think that there's so much attention and focus and money put on players. They actually internalize that people are there supporting their team just because of them. Where the reality is the players rotate in or out and it's this connection with history and culture and a club that the fans have. And that's what they have decided in their own life to invest part of themselves in. Yeah. Um, and I think when anyone in any walk of life um, fails to have that perspective that they're just part of something else, um, that's where things can sway. And I always think it's interesting in, in soccer and football across the country and the world because fan, players now get these huge contracts. There's so much attention, but it's really not about them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I feel like, you know, a lot of the leagues in the world, they could lose all their millionaire players, lose their status, their TV broadcasts. And of course, that would be horrible, awful. People would be mad, frustrated, but you'd still have people coming to the games. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's true. As long as um, they didn't charge an arm and a leg. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's the other thing. And then in other news, have you heard about this uh, rumor that Adidas is developing a new logo uh, for their, I imagine for their soccer line based on the silhouette of Jude Bellingham. I've heard this rumor. And apparently it's this stance. It's this, this stance. Is, is this his famous stance. And the, I heard this ever. compared to like the Michael Jordan outline. Yeah, the Michael right. Jordan outline. What I would say though, that is like um, Jordan flying through the air. And this is like... Just with standing. Flying, this is like standing. It's also easily like what could be easily confused with that statue in Rio de Janeiro of Jesus oh, of on top Jesus. of the <laughs> Yeah, that's fair too. Yeah, and I I, in my head, I wonder like, like, of course, people recognize it. Yes, it's his iconic stance, but is it as iconic as I don't think like so. a Jordan outline? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Um, just because of the league he plays in, unfortunately. And that's not the focus of the as the world as it once was. But I think they should do something unexpected, like his silhouette while he's like on his computer or eating cereal. <laughs> well, didn't he just sprain his ankle? So well, maybe with his foot up. <laughs> just having coffee with his foot up. <laughs> and a paper. <laughs> and speaking of crossovers, the Atlanta United's uh, kit uh, was, this is, I believe, there would be their third kit of the season or second kit. I'm not sure which one. Or is this for next? This is for this coming season because they haven't dropped yet except on uh -huh. EA Sports. It was air quote leaked. I think this is intentional. Yeah, being this worn is a, there by, are cameras. Uh, uh, the Atlanta Hawks uh, and basketball players and as, they, as they come up to the game. And I think it's kind of I think it's kind of fun. There's a lot of NBA players who are fans of soccer. I think there's a lot of affinity between those two. Mm -hmm. Um Especially the foreign players. There's so many foreign NBA players, and they grew up where, you know, football was the main sport. Yeah. So I kind of like it. What I don't like is these kids. 
<laughs> I think that they're just horrible. You know what? To me, it's giving Sam Eagle from the Muppets. Because <laughs> like Sam Eagle from the Muppets. <laughs> because there's light blue and it's very like beak forward. <laughs> well, I gotta say, actually looking at it in context of our our little watermark crest there, it looks like some AI um, degeneration of our own logo. Oh Maybe my goodness. that's what it is. Well, isn't oh. it? It's supposed to be based on the Atlanta flag. That has a phoenix? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, in which I think I looked at the flag and the flag is cooler. I don't, there's a trend now in ugly kits. I don't get it. I mean, Liverpool, talk about this. I don't, I'm not liking the trends right now. But, you know, (laughs) that's. It will forever be in my mind the same eagle kit. You very much look like you're on the set of Blade Runner now. (laughs) I'm in. <laughs> I'm in a metaphorical like prison of my own mind. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, am I a robot? Am I not a robot? <laughs> Is it 1987? Is it? There's so much neon. <laughs> All right. Well, that is that's it for our uninformed opinions for this week. We'll be back later in the week with a preview of one of the teams that make up the Footy Hall of Fame. What do we call it? Anyway, one of the teams we support, and that is the Chicago Fire, who have had a very exciting offseason, and we're going to get a sense of what to expect from this year and also talk about kind of the culture and kind of fan experience surrounding that club. So look for that later this week. And, of course, you can always follow us on um, socials. We're on threads a lot. We opened a Blue Sky account to see if that goes anywhere. (laughs) So find us everywhere at the Footy Museum. Um, and check out our website at thefootymuseum.com, where maybe sometime shortly in the future you can find uh, hats like Oh, this. hey, that's a really cool hat. Like this beauty right here. What a nice hat Yeah, that you're wearing. It's good. It's a nice nylon. It's very good for the warm weather coming. Um, got lots of compliments. So go check that out. And we will talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.